Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Thank you guys so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers. I am very excited to be back. Derek the Demon took over last week, and that's never fun for anyone, right? Probably not very good for my voice. I really should do a voice modulation thing or something. But anyhow, thank you for putting up with me. That was my little, um, I don't know, I think breaking out Derek means I'm doing better. I'm actually feeling way better. I'm on this positivity train. That's pretty awesome. Pretty excited. So cool from where I was a couple weeks ago. I think a big part of that, I think there's, there's definitely a lot of things. So I did... Three weeks of therapy, that was definitely good. But this week I went in, I was like, hey, I was like, I'm cool. Like, I still got shit I need to work on. But I heard what I needed. I worked out what I needed. Awesome. I'm feeling awesome. And legitimately feeling like that. Not because I don't want to spend the time or anything like that. I also started neurofeedback again on Monday. So we did two sessions. My son also is doing it. And so we'll see what happens there. That's the first out of 40 sessions which is a big time commitment. That's about 120 hours there between the sessions and the driving. But I know it's going to be worth it. I've done it already three other rounds, I believe. So it has been quite a lot of money. And I've done other things too to try to improve my brain. So as a warning to those of you that want to play contact sports that are going to take blows to the head that, <clears throat> you know, participate in things like combat jiu-jitsu or yeah, anything where you're taking repeated blows to the head, just be aware that, yeah, you may end up with a brain like mine. I, um, you know, whatever. Like, I'm doing okay. But that's only because of everything I've already done. And, you know, I've been exercising every morning. George and I have been getting together. We've been doing yoga again. That's been awesome. So feeling good there. That's definitely helping. Even though the day, I did a session here by myself, 6 o'clock in the morning, I think, maybe 5. And it was a really boring one. But it was something that I needed. In my head, I was like, oh, man, I didn't do anything this morning. But even 45 minutes of breathing and hearing positive messages, how much that probably helps me throughout the day. But the other thing I believe it is, and I think my wife for really pointing this out, I had read articles about it, heard a lot of great things about it, especially in the brain groups about using GABA, but I just had not. She had been using it. I just wasn't taking it. I take like 20 other pills every day, probably more than that, but I wasn't taking GABA. So I started taking that and Sam E, I believe it's called. And that's probably a big part of why I am feeling so chill. I've been dealing with driving no problem. So before when someone would cut me off or do something that I felt like they shouldn't, I would get so upset. Now I'm like, nah, it's cool. I'm getting a little upset, but then I'm cooling down real quick, letting it go. It's not affecting me like it was and just handling stuff at home, just being way chiller. Just, I don't know. It's been awesome. So, and not feeling like I need cannabis to get to that point. So that is awesome too. I think GABA and cannabis have the same, they're going to the same receptors, some shit like that. I don't know. I didn't feel like looking it up. I just feel like it may be helping. I know I'm in a great place. That may be one of the reasons why. Also got adjusted yesterday by my Nuka doctor. We only see him about once a month. That's Dr. Wong. He's awesome. Optimal chiropractic. Um, so with that, I had been having a really bad hip pain where my hip kept going out on me. I couldn't figure out what it was. Went to acupuncture, had her work on it. That helped a little bit. 
And then I went to Dr. Wong yesterday and yeah, I was out a lot and my hips were completely twisted. Like they were really out of alignment. So it was no wonder that my body was hurting so much. So got that adjusted. Um, yeah, so I'm in a pretty awesome place, feeling really good. Had a great talk with my wife today too about what's going to happen over summer and what I would like to do as far as books and like, okay, which book fairs, if any, do I want to go to? I kind of, I had thought about StokerCon and I realized like, you know what, that's just too much stress. I don't want to do it. I don't think it'll be enjoyable for me, especially if I'm doing it on my own. I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Just, so I wrote that off. I was thinking about doing the American Library Association one in Chicago. Like, no, timing doesn't work. But Nico, one of my co-authors that's in Germany, was talking to me about going back to Frankfurt in for that and so that's been in the back of my mind i've been talking to the u.s commercial service they're talking about an export program where i could probably get some of that reimbursed if i apply and granted the the funds for it that would help as well so i just told her i said yeah i think i'm gonna do it I, let's let's do it that will be about the time Hopefully, we'll already have released it, but I want that to be the launch for trying to diet Ghostland. Duncan, I still need to talk about that, but I think what a cool way to launch it. And Death Fest is going to be launched like the month before that, and Wild West is coming out. I believe it's going to be April 2nd. I'm taking kind of taking my time because I've got so much shit going on. I've definitely been overwhelmed by it a little bit. Just little things. Like, if I could turn it into little things when you just got so much going on, and like. The thing I've been stuck on right now is wanting to get as much done on trying to diet Ghostland as possible. Because it's awesome, it's fun, and I owe Duncan these deaths, so I need to hurry up and get them to him. So, I've given him 1 through 11, I believe. I think most of them were pretty cool. And these are like, for those of, those of you that are interested in the writing process, with this book, I'm giving him, like, okay, here, first we talked about the ideas, and said, okay, what works, what doesn't work. Now I'm going back and trying to be like, okay, here's kind of what I think is happening. Change it as much as you want and add to it and make it back into your characters because it's hard for me because I'm in so many different books and having read the trilogy, thinking about those characters compared to our character, Lucy. And and I was like, I'm not going to capture the voice correctly, especially, you know, it just isn't, it's not going to be a, a good scene. I need him to go in and be like, okay, this, he's going to add in what she is really seeing, what she's really experiencing and changing it as he likes. So it'll be very interesting, interesting to see what he comes back with. But again, no feelings are being hurt. Like this is, it's a, such a cool way to collaborate like that. So that is awesome. I think when I first started this whole thing, not with Duncan, with just the entire series, the thought of working with someone, you know, it's like, fuck, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. I don't want them to hate my writing. You know, I don't want them to think I hate theirs and just all that kind of self-doubt. And that almost stopped me from doing it. But no, it's been awesome so far with everyone. So I hope that shit continues. I don't know how it's going to be with Caitlin, though. It better be good, Caitlin. She's probably not watching this. But if she was, hopefully she was scared for a second. But not really. I don't want her to be scared at all. She's awesome. I just talked to her about her summer camp book. So shit, I just, I hadn't even thought of that. Her book may be coming out around that time too, be about the time of the, the book fair in Germany. So how fucking cool is that? So I will be going to Germany with at least seven books out in the collection. 
plus trying to die back at Graham's house. Oh, and also John Palisano's uh, short story, trying to die in a hellhole. That will be out as well. I've just been dragging my feet because I've been busy. Sorry, John. We're going to get to it, I swear to God. Yeah, so I'm very excited about going to Germany with all these books back. Okay, here's what we have. So whether or not I have an agent, you know, I talked about the proposal I sent to her. You know, she's not my agent. I just sent it to her. We'll talk about it. If she likes it and wants to represent me, that'll be awesome. If that doesn't work out, then for sure, when I go to Germany, I will be landing some deals. I, I'm determined. I'm excited. I have friends there that want to help me out. And so on top of all my series, there's also Nico's that he's been working on. So we're doing together Try Not to Die on the Rhine. But by working on that, he developed his own series, I think a seven book series. Every couple of weeks we're talking, sometimes every week about it and just kind of going over it. But he's writing book one. It's awesome. I'm hoping that I will do the translated version, the English version of all these books. And Trying to Die will come like second in this long series. And we already have all lots of those ideas, know the characters, all that kind of stuff. So that'll be another thing we'll be doing over there in Germany is trying to sell his book. So that would be super cool. Wish us luck. And it feels good to, you know, I could not have made that decision a month ago. No way. I would have been like, nope, fuck it. Who cares? Like, I don't even care. Who knows if I'm even going to make it there? No, I don't want to go. But no, now I'm excited about it. So that is one thing I will be doing. I think it is a very good business expense. I am not doing LA Times Festival of Books. That's another one that's nearby. That would be great. But again, yeah, kind of stressful. Just don't want to do it. I don't want that experience but I do want the Germany experience again. So that will be awesome. It will motivate me to do the more Duolingo. I think I'm on 200. I know I'm on 263 days because I just saw it this morning. And so that gives me more incentive to finish that up. I'm almost done with, I'm almost up to the end, but that's only on a level one for the majority of it. So right now I'm trying to get to the end of level six or checkpoint six or whatever so that's extra motivation to finish that up i want to get that done like i don't need to i and that's what's nice now as well like i know i can go there and deal just with my english and what german i know but it would be super cool to try to really improve it maybe do some interviews that kind of stuff try to speak as much german as i can so we shall see what else is happening i don't know probably a lot of cool stuff probably just forgetting it oh, just launched a new welcome series <clears throat> so if you haven't done so please check out my newsletter go to marktulius.com you can get the newsletter if i don't have the sign up forms up yet they'll be up there soon i've just been dragging my feet not one of those little easy things that i haven't done but you can get hold of the newsletter by getting morsels of mayhem for free so that's there right on the website so check that out there's also a link to that in every book that i have every ebook i think it's your free book is waiting. That's Morsels of Mayhem, just three short horror stories and one piece of nonfiction, which is about my brain health. So maybe you're interested in why I'm talking about my brain and why it's all messed up. That'd be a cool place to look. Or go check out TBI or CTE. What the hell is wrong with me? Yes, yes, there's a lot. But it's getting better, at least this month. We'll see what happens in March, right? But let's go into what stories I'm going to share tonight. And I probably shouldn't say stories because I'm only planning on giving you one. I don't think you deserve to yet. I don't know if you've liked, shared, subscribed, and done all that to help me. So if you haven't, yeah, probably going to give you one. Anyhow, I don't know if I have two short ones. 
and I don't want to make this a super long episode. All right, maybe since it was just Valentine's, this is kind of reaching because Valentine's Day was, what, a week ago or so? But I just saw some decorations, so it kind of counts. All right, let's say that's what it's for. We're going to go with Pillow Talk. All right, so that is a love story from Untold Mayhem. I hope you guys dig it. Never read it by someone I forgot to look up again, but I'll put their name in the description below. Probably. If I remember, I will really try to because it's important. They did an awesome job. All right. To be honest, I like the stories in Twisted Reunion better than I like the stories in Untold Mayhem. But this audiobook is way better because it's a multicast. I think there are nine, probably eight or nine different narrators, which really makes the stories cool because there's only 24 stories. So they're doing two or three stories each. I think they did an amazing job. And the next time I have, I put out a short story collection, which will be fuck, probably forever because I don't have time to write short stories or I'm choosing to use my time to write other things. Um, but the next time I do do that, that I would choose to do a multicast. It's definitely worth the extra money. I think it makes for a cool experience. But let you guys be the judge of that. This is Pillow Talk. Have an incredible week and I'll talk to you later. Peace. Pillow Talk. This is such a lovely meal. Thanks again for inviting me over, Carrie said as she struggled to scoop up the linguine with her fork. Philip looked across the small dining room table set with candles, flowers, and fine china. I'm just so glad you accepted. He raised his glass of Merlot toward her and toasted. Here's to new beginnings. The blonde blushed the color of the wine and gulped down half her glass. This is all so new to me. I'm used to dating such jerks. You're the first decent guy I've gone out with. All the others were just overgrown boys. This may sound mean, but I'm glad in a way. It's selfish, but if you had found someone special, we would never have met. Carrie turned toward the dimly lit living room. You have such a nice, cozy place. It's great. Cozy. The translation means small. No, no, that's not what I meant at all. Relax. Philip reached across the table and gently stroked her hand. I was only teasing. Carrie sighed and placed her free hand on top of Philip's. You're sure you're not mad? Philip completed the pile, putting his other hand over hers. Of course not. I don't upset easily, and... Even if I did, I could never get angry at such a beautiful woman. Carrie eased back into her chair, leaving his hands on hers. Philip bet there had been many men that told her she was cute, maybe a handful that said she was pretty, but none had ever told her she was beautiful. But beauty was not the most important characteristic in finding the ideal partner. Carrie had that certain quality he looked for in a woman, and that was what made her so very exceptional. Carrie broke the silence. Do you really think I look okay? I do, I really do. Philip studied her face. I think you're incredible. I don't want to take anything away from your inner beauty, which is what attracted me to you, but look at yourself. Your eyes are irresistible. Your smile is stunning. Carrie looked like she was having a hard time believing the compliments, so Philip toned it down. And you definitely know how to dress and put yourself together. 
You don't use too much makeup like most, and you know what colors look good on you. By the way, I meant to tell you that your lipstick is very becoming. What shade of red is it? Springtime rose. Well, it looks great on you. But even without makeup, I'm sure you are just as attractive, if not more. I envy the man that gets to wake up next to your innocent, untouched face. Carrie removed one of her hands from the pile so she could gulp down more wine. I don't think you'd want to see me without makeup on. I'm not just saying that. I really do. Well, if you keep saying those sorts of things, maybe you'll get to. Philip stood so he could reach the bottle of wine on the counter and refill their glasses. Be careful what you say. You're so tempting I might not be able to help myself. And I might not stop you. Philip grinned. Really? We'll see. With an embarrassed smile, she pointed at the paintings on the dining room wall. In our chats, you mentioned you were an artist. Are these yours? Philip understood the girl knew nothing about art, but her question walked a thin line between ignorance and retardation. He shook his head and said, No, but I wish I had. These are reprints of famous works. This one is Van Gogh's Starry Night, and this one is Picasso's Old Guitarist. My favorite, though, is this one. The Scream by Edvard Munch. I'd love to see some of your paintings. Do you have any of them here? Traditional painting was never my thing. I prefer other mediums than canvas, and my creations are generally too large to put up on such a small wall. Like what? What do you paint on? I'm still a bit bashful when it comes to my work. It's not easy to expose yourself like that. Sharing my art is the equivalent of bearing my soul. Then I'm sure your work is beautiful. Maybe I'll show you once we get to know each other better. Why not now, please? My masterpiece, the one I've been working on for over a year, is in my bedroom. Let's go see it. We can't. Don't make me beg she said in a voice that Philip found more irritating than cute. It's not finished yet, and I don't just let anyone into my bedroom. Carrie licked the wine off her lips. I'm sure I can convince you to let me in there. We'll see, Philip said, giving her a taste of her own medicine. If you're done eating, we can go into the living room and relax a bit. We can watch some television, if you like. Sounds good. Carrie swayed slightly when she got up from the table. Philip came to her rescue, wrapping a strong arm around her waist. His grip was supportive and a bit sexual, but she didn't move his hand. Are you okay? he asked, his voice full of concern. Oh, yeah. Just a bit tipsy, that's all. They walked toward the living room, each with a glass in hand. You're trying to get me drunk. Philip pulled his arm free, feigning that he was offended. I wouldn't do a thing like that. I thought you trusted me. I do, even though I shouldn't. Carrie took his hand and plopped down onto the black leather love seat. Philip sat down next to her. Why do you say that? Well, we really don't know much about one another. I know your whole life story. Philip set down his glass and put both of her hands in his. 
22 years old, associate's degree and working towards your bachelor's. To pay for college, you're working as a waitress. One older sister and two younger brothers. What else should I tell you? You have a good memory, but how do you know those things are true? I could have made it all up. You could have, but I knew you weren't lying. How could you know that by simply reading my messages? I just had a feeling about you. I could have been lying about myself, too. I was afraid of that, especially when you emailed me your picture. I thought you were probably a 400-pound pervert who was going to yank me into the apartment the second I rang the doorbell. Philip swirled his wine. So you're okay with the way I look? Are you kidding? You're great. Her hand caressed his forearm. Very handsome, and you look so strong. That's just the wine talking. Carrie downed the rest of her glass. It does loosen me up. Helps me say the things I'd normally never reveal. Well, that's good to know. Carrie leaned over and placed a gentle kiss on his cheek. I'm so glad I decided to come over. You have no idea what a fresh and wonderful change you are. Don't say that yet. You haven't seen all my flaws. I've only let you see my strong points. That's rule number one in the dating handbook. But I do understand why you said you were hesitant to come over. If I was a female, I wouldn't go alone to a stranger's. Hell, to tell you the truth, I was a little nervous having you come over here. It takes a lot of trust to meet like this. Well, Mom always said if I let fear run my life, I'd never experience anything, the good along with the bad. That's great advice, and I'm glad you live by it. He pointed at her glass. Care for a refill? I do, but I shouldn't. I'm already a little drunk, and I have to drive home. You don't have to. You wouldn't mind if I stayed. Of course not. You can sleep in the bed, and I'll crash on the couch like a true gentleman. Carrie set her glass down and rested her hand on his thigh. What if I don't want you to be a gentleman? Well, I guess I don't have to. What if I want you to kiss me? Then I guess I'll have to oblige, he said, leaning in and pecking her on the cheek. Too gentlemanly. I need more than that. Philip held the back of her head and placed three very slow and sensual kisses down the length of her neck. Much better, she whispered. But what about my lips? He slid further down her neck. I don't want to mess up your lipstick. I can always fix it later. Philip rose and nibbled on her lips, finally parting them with his tongue. Carrie moaned and pulled him in closer. Without a word, they headed for the bedroom. Philip stopped outside his door. Okay, you fix your makeup in the bathroom and meet me in here. I have to make some preparations. Carrie closed the bathroom door behind her and Philip slipped into his room. Fortunately, he had planned ahead in case things worked out between them. He wanted everything to be perfect for her. Philip finished his preparations and lay on his king-size bed. Carrie stood awestruck in the doorway, taking in the dozens of scented candles and scattered roses marking her path. Philip waved her over, cautioning her to watch her step. He could only imagine what would happen if she kicked over a candle and set fire to his place. The candlelight flickered over her face when she crawled onto the bed, 
He was happy to see that she had used her time wisely in the bathroom. Unlike some men, Philip cared what his lover looked like. He wanted to see every detail of her face as they became intimate, so that after she was gone he would be able to remember exactly what she looked like. Philip stared into Carrie's eyes and gave her a gentle kiss on her cheek. You look beautiful. Thank you, she said, a little out of breath. So do you trust me enough to show me your masterpiece? Of course. Lie on your back and look up. Her mouth gaped as she took in his biggest and best creation, which covered nearly 80 square feet of the ceiling, over twice the size of the bed. It wasn't perfect, but it was close. Oh my God, Philip, it's beautiful. He pointed at the three patches of exposed ceiling, each measuring two square feet. It's not finished yet. Her hand glided across Philip's chest and stomach. What kind of material is it? Guess. It's kind of hard to tell in this light, but it looks like a sheet that you stapled in a bunch of different spots. It's cool how the material droops a little everywhere the splotches of paint are. Very observant, but it's not paint and not quite a sheet. You're very close, though. She played with his belt buckle, not sounding very interested, when she asked, So how do you decide the colors? Philip rolled on top of her, so he straddled her waist. It might sound strange, but I feel fate chose them for me. The belt pulled free and her pudgy fingers unbuttoned his pants. So when are you going to finish the last pieces? Philip touched her lips and Carrie sucked on his finger, teased the tip with her tongue. He pulled it out and ran it across her lips again, and then looked down at his fingertip. I'll do one piece tonight, and the other two before the month is over. I want to see it before you put it up. I'm afraid you won't be able to. Why not, she pouted. I thought I could stay the whole night. Oh, you will. It's just that you're going to help me create it. Philip grabbed the pillow beside him and covered the confused look on Carrie's face, pinning the thick pillow down on either side of her head. She flailed her arms and tried to buck him off, but he wouldn't budge. Carrie whipped her head from side to side and clawed at Philip's arms, her nails biting deeply into his sweater, but only grazing his skin, causing him to laugh. Soon her movements slowed, then ceased completely. Philip waited a full minute, ignoring his twitching triceps and burning forearms, before removing the pillow. Carrie's lifeless face frozen in fear, a perfect picture of terror, didn't really interest Philip. Although he did take pleasure in the murder, his main interest was the art. Carefully, he turned the pillow over and slipped off its white case. He held it out before him and admired the work created by Carrie's death throes. Thick lines of springtime rose intertwined with the faint circles of reddish blush. Black mascara smudges combined with a hint of light blue eyeshadow. All the colors mixing and blending into a unique piece that held so much meaning and marked yet another climactic chapter in Philip's creation. Philip meticulously tacked the pillowcase to a section of exposed ceiling. 
Now he wasn't so sure he could finish telling the tale in just two more chapters. In fact, he thought that he'd have to find an apartment with a much larger bedroom, and he was going to have to find it soon.